Welcome to the next installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your host, Patrick Egan. Um, and as always, I'd like to introduce our, our, our co-host from the beginning, Mr. Gene Robinson. Hello, Patrick. You know, ever the road warrior that I am, I am uh, on the road again. Headed northbound this time, so if uh, it gets a little noisy, I'll have to cut my microphone off, and you'll have to remind me when it's my turn to talk. All right. Well, you know, it's it's funny. It sounds like a title of a country western song, "On the Road Again." Somebody should look into that. I think it'd be a good thing. <laughs> so today's episode is uh, drone smuggling explained. You know, and. Um, this is another one of those podcasts where we talk about the business of drones. So either like get the nuances of the business of drones or you just get the straight business of drones or sometimes I'm just giving you the business with drones. But anyway, today's guest is Leslie Levy August from Boomerang Carnes. I think I pronounced that correctly. She's one of our uh, favorites, all-time favorites. Uh, the ladies over there always send us Christmas cards and really they're, they're the only ones left and it's a long running <laughs> joke, but it's, it's funny because it's true. So hello, Leslie. Good morning, Patrick and Jean, and thank you for having me on today. Well, you know, it's been a long time coming. We wanted to have you on and, you know, and I'm sure uh, everybody's kind of like, well, you know, what the heck is a carnet, but we're going to get into that. Because I know that was yeah. what I said. I was like, hmm, what is this? But uh, anyway, before we, we, we launch into that, um, you know, could you please give us a little bio about yourself and how you got involved with these carnets? Okay. <laughs> I won't give you the whole history, but I'll just say that it goes back literally to the 1930s which was before the U.S. did ATA Carnets, which is an international customs document. But um, it started out as a family operation in the freight forwarding business. We became specialists in customs guarantees. Those are the guarantees that are required by foreign and the U.S. government to clear your goods through customs, either permanently or temporarily. Um, I personally also have a background in media and uh, insurance and surety bonding. And uh, about 25 years ago, my company, Boomerang Carnets, was appointed uh, by the U.S. Council for International Business as one of the two service providers for ATA Carnets in the United States. So we spent the last, my, me and my partners have spent the last 20 years focused on U.S. exporters and temporary exports uh, to ATA Carnet countries. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a, of a background on me and my partners and how we got to where we are. Well, that's interesting. But before we, we get into the, the, the meat of the podcast, I did, want to, um, I did want to talk a little bit about the news, and I'm going to uh, bring you in on that too. But first, I want to – Gene was down there uh, during the hurricane, and uh, they were flying some missions down there. It's pretty interesting stuff. I've been talking to Gene while he was down there. So, Gene, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you guys were doing down there in Texas. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty interesting. We made uh, 
Corpus Christi and then Rockport, we were at landfall plus two days, and we really got to see pretty much the devastation as it as it were when it was uh, completely done. Uh, it was amazing. The uh, the wrath of nature is nothing to be trifled with, and this was a prime example because really the only sort of uh, parallel that I could draw is if, uh, you know, you looked at the, the firebombing of Dresden or Hiroshima or something like that where a bomb literally went off. Uh, it, was, it was just kind of awe-inspiring to be quite brutal about it because it was the, the devastation was just amazing uh we i i believe and and you know as i kind of watch everything kind of unravel here and and the way people are finally starting to look at what we did when we're down there i think that these two storms harvey and irma are going to be where we can say that the drone turning point happened uh, I'm sure, Patrick, you saw uh, Huerta's uh, comment from the FAA that drones were pivotal in the recovery effort that went on because the the, the air traffic control situation was weakened and uh, we could get a lot done that kept manned aircraft out of an already weakened system. So I think we're going to see a turning point now on, in that uh, there's going to be a wider acceptance of drones, and I think we're going to still have to worry about the, the cowboys out there and the, the folks that are, you know, well-intentioned but uh, untrained, if you will, out there trying to do good. And it's going to be tough to be a weekend hero like this because, let me tell you, down there we were had to be completely self-contained. You had to be in constant communication with, uh, with some government entity down there, and that was when communications were compromised the most and – you know, it really is kind of beyond the reach of the, you know, everyday average commercial drone flyer down there. But, uh, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of lot of positive come out of it. I think that uh, the response and the remediation happened a lot quicker. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like Katrina where it drug on for days and days and days. So, you know, out of that terrible situation, I think some good is going to come. Well, that's good. Yeah, I. Um, there were a few things. Uh, there were a lot of people running down there, and I uh, kind of said the same thing. Really, you know, you don't want to run down there and tax an already, uh, let's say, weak infrastructure. So I, I like that you hit on the point that uh, you guys were fully self-contained. The other thing I noticed is you had people, thousands of people go down there and start flying around, and there were the FAA said, well, we had 77 authorizations. So it's kind of like a, you know, who's getting authorization and then who's giving their authorization to other people. I, you know, I don't know how that's all going to work, but uh, I'm glad that it was a positive there. And, uh, you know, there and no negatives. I, I got to say, Patrick, I, I got to give the FAA their kudos because when we got down there, we had to fly within a couple of miles of Aransas County Airport there, and uh, we were in, of course, Corpus Christi's ATC. And uh, we applied for our ECOA, and you know me, you know, and COAs, I'm, I'm kind of good with that. We got our ECOA in 55 minutes. So wow, you know, the, they're better. out there, they were trying to help. Yeah, they're, they're trying to help. So kudos to them. You know, long, long time coming. It's finally working. It's a good thing. Yeah. Well, um, I know, you know, um, 
Well, I'm just I'm just glad that it was it was different than the uh, the the last or say past events where they were duct taping uh, UAS yeah. onto the side of helicopters <laughs> uh, yeah. and things like that. We've yeah. come a long way, so that's good. All right, well, thanks for that update, Gene. I think we'll, we'll let's get back on um, subject. And uh, Leslie, could you could you tell us how a carne is going to help unmanned systems people? What are the benefits? Okay, so um, basically, a carne is an optional export document, temporary export document. When you're when anybody is taking anything overseas with, with a commercial value of say twenty five hundred dollars or more, regardless of whether or not you're going to bring that item back or re-export it, you're going to have to pay duty and tax on it. So there's a few things that um, the Carnet provides in terms of benefits, uh, and and the reason that we focus um, in this in this area is because we know that there's so much activity going or going on cross-border as far as unmanned systems mm-hmm. are concerned, that you're jumping from one regulatory environment to another in order to try to maximize the commercial opportunities that you might have, especially since the U.S. was lagging behind, let's say, in establishing a solid reliable regulatory environment to establish a commercial operation in. So let's say you're taking uh, several uh, prototypes to another country, to the EU, for instance, some uh, country in the EU, and they have a commercial value, but you're going to bring them back to the U.S. You're taking them over for testing or demonstration. Um, You're going to pay duty and tax, tax being the biggest amount, you know, you're going to pay between 20 and 27% VAT probably. Um, And so there's going to be a a significant cost savings. The other thing is you're just going to save the hassle of having to permanently import something into another country and then bring it back into the U.S. and prove that it was American goods return. So you've got a combination of cost and efficiency. and this document can be used in multiple countries and for multiple trips. So all the alternatives don't have that level of flexibility. That's kind well, of the, the scope of it. Well, you know, okay, so let's even talk about, you know, there's been this, like, international humanitarian, you know, oh, there's a disaster, and I'm going to bring my drones to, you know, Kathmandu and I'm going to mm-hmm. fly around and try and help with these efforts or whatever else. So when I come back to the country and they have that declaration form, is this where this all comes in? Like I have my 10,000 in cash and, you know, right. if I'm carrying other things and I mean, I always write like, I wish, you know, on there and stuff like that. Right. Right. I get the, right. <laughs> I get no, the yeah. raised <laughs> eyebrow and, you know, <laughs> Right, yeah. You don't want to fool around with the customs officials. They're law enforcement. They wear badges and carry guns. Um, and, and bringing anything in for commercial purposes uh, without making a, de- a customs declaration and paying the duty and tax or providing an alternate guarantee like an APA carnet is considered smuggling. So we get a lot See? of people who say, yep, there you go. Can I just put this in my luggage? Well, yeah, if you want to be a smuggler. Um, and if you get caught, 
it doesn't look good on your resume. <laughs> you know, I never really liked orange. Um, so it's part of it's the legality of it, and part of it is the ease of getting items in. Because if, if you try to get them in without the proper documentation, they can confiscate them. And then, you know, your humanitarian efforts have all failed because you don't have the equipment you need. All right. Well, you know, and this is another one. So, okay, you know, there's tons of, you know, drone trade shows and symposia, you know, around the world. We've we've all been all over these things. And uh, so it's mm-hmm. the same thing, right? If I bring, you know, uh, I've got a business and whatever, and part of it is, is this machinery or the uh, the drones or whatever else. And I, I go to another country and I set up my booze, I break it all down, I come home. Same deal. If I'm not declaring that, am, am I am I smuggling to the country and then smuggling back, or is it one way smuggling? What's going on here? <laughs> um, it's it's a one way smuggle. Okay, so you're smuggling into the foreign country. When you come back into the U.S., um, if you you know technically it's not smuggling because it originated here, but there's still uh, you're still not in compliance if you don't declare the items when you're coming back in and have proof that they're American goods returned, um, that the the shipment originated here. So what about, too, if I'm, like, at one of these shows around the world, and I, oh, you know, i got to have the the latest Drone Meister 5000, and I I bring it back into the country. Am I supposed to declare that on the form? Yes. So that one, you know, and of course, if, if, if it's over a certain value and you buy something overseas and bring it back in, now there's no way to use an ATA carnet or any type of temporary import document for that to waive duty and tax, but you do need to declare it and pay the duties on it. Now, coming back into the U.S., the U.S. is one of the few countries in the whole world that does not charge a value-added tax or its equivalent. So, uh, you know, duty rates are pretty low. You're not, you're coming back to the U.S., you're not really exposing yourself to a huge expense. It would be if you were importing something permanently into another country. Even Canada, where they have the GST, um, you're going to pay duty and tax on that. That could be pretty hefty. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, the reason I'm asking these questions is, you know, I like to, again, with that, that kind of the, Let's say we're, we're we're trying to talk about some of the nuances of business here. Uh, it's it's keeping mm-hmm. the listeners out of trouble. So, right. you know, you don't really think about that. Hey, you know, whatever. I'm going to this thing. I'm coming back. I'm not really, you know, it's not changing hands or whatever. I would I would say probably ninety five percent of the listeners are going to be thinking, I'm not smuggling anything. I just got my my equipment. I'm bringing it here and I'm bringing it back, and I'm not even going to put it on there with the ten thousand dollars in cash that I brought back because I brought it with me or whatever. So right. you know, the whole right. idea here is is to um, enlighten the the listeners to uh, ways to stay out of trouble. So, oh, you know, with yeah. that, okay, and and so with that, I mean, uh, is, is it, you, you don't just do drones, right? I mean, what 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 other types of things? I mean, is it like everything? I mean, I you know, because I mean, obviously, you guys started yeah. before drones, so. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, it's everything except. So, what can be put on an ATA carnet is everything except except items that are disposable or consumable. So 
you could put the firearms on there, but you can't put the ammunition on there. You can put the agricultural equipment on, but you can't put the seeds, the plants, the pesticides, or the food. Um, so anything that could be consumed uh, in the process of shipping it and bringing it back can't be on there, but pretty much everything else has. And we've seen everything from, uh, you know, the, the artifacts, from uh, the, the police evidence bag, from the John Lennon killing that was going to uh, the Beatles Museum in Tokyo to circus animals to um, rocks. I mean, you name it. We've, we've seen oddball things on ATA carnets, as long as it's not something that can be consumed. Interesting, interesting. Well, yeah, you wouldn't even think, you know, that, uh, well, I guess you would think it would have a certain amount of value. But, again, it's like I would think, oh, it's on loan. I mean, you know, no money's really changing right. hands, you know. But, but what do I know? Okay, you know, ignorance is bliss, right? So, <laughs> Well, yeah, until you get caught. <laughs> till you get caught. That's when the, uh, yeah, that's when the, the, the fun usually starts kicking in. But that's, you know. But a lot of these things, uh, even with the drone community, uh, you know, a lot of the people that come into this are not business people or not, you know, aviation people. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know about that, too. Now, so let's, even with this, you know, these are classified as aircraft. So is that, does that put a little bit of a different spin on things because of, uh, you know, federal law, blah, blah, blah? Or is it just kind of whatever? It could be a aircraft or an elephant or a, you know, moon rock or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all covered under this. Well, so we don't, we don't not issue an ATA carnet because of other government licensing requirements or, you know, we don't try to advise you on, oh, this may require an export license. But obviously when you're getting into items for defense purposes, for military purposes, um, high-tech items, um, ITAR. Export for ITAR-related items, they can be uh, obviously um, controlled items. And um, we will, you know, advise somebody if we think that, it's, you know, they're a small business person they may not know, make sure right. you've got, you know, make sure you check to see if this is licensed or not. The other thing is, and this has been an interesting development, Somehow the countries have selected out drones specifically for examination when they go into certain countries. Um, And right now Israel is one of those countries where it's very difficult to bring a drone in under any export or import documentation. Um, So you want to be very careful where you're going in uh, and check ahead of time to make sure that 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 particular category of goods is acceptable. And and that's a smart thing to do. You know? Mm-hmm. You don't want to go to certain countries and get thrown in the who's gal. Um, right. You know, that could ruin your whole your whole business trip. Well, how did it go? Well, you know, I spent ten days in the Turkish jail. It was great. And a great time. Right. No. <laughs> you don't want that. Well, so no, no, and and even you know things you don't even think of necessarily. Like say you're go, and I'm going to mention Canada because Canada is very protectionist when it comes to their labor laws. If you're going into Canada to do a job and you're bringing your equipment and you've got it on an ATA carnet, 
you may be able to get the equipment in just fine, but if you don't have the proper uh, forms and, and regulatory compliance with their labor laws, they may not let you through anyway. So hmm. that's all part of your due diligence before you take the trip. That's another good, you, you, know, know, you don't want to be violating uh, those, you know, any laws like that. Well, you just end up not being able to get get there, and then it, you've spent all this money, and you can't do the job. That you know, they just won't yeah, let you in. That's no bueno, as the kids say. Now, Gene, no, are no, you no. trying to get in here? Yeah, I was just going to mention my little uh, brush with that was, uh, you know, back in the day. I guess it was like 2011 or something like that when I went to Africa, mm-hmm. and we uh, support for you know another company and was flying around in, in Africa when, you know, drones weren't even known back then. But when I got there, they, they, uh, it's not so much on the American side, but when I got there, they of course, you know, wanted money for the, the stuff that I was bringing in and in the ignorance is bliss category. When I came back, <laughs> of course I had to, I had to pay to get them back on the plane. And then when I got back home, you know, 30 hours later from, you know, Africa, I ran out the airport so fast that I don't think anybody could even question me what I had in the box because I was ready to get home. But, uh, you know, it, it never even, when I came back in, I just, you know, said, yeah, I just, what I brought with me is what I left with, and that's it, and I, I went home. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> again, this is one of those ignorance is bliss things. Nobody asked me the right question, and I, I probably looked haggard enough that they just, you know, kind of took pity on me and said, <laughs> let the guy go home. Right. <laughs> well, so now you know, the, you know. So in this example, Gene slid under the wire. No one even knew. He's got an honest face, if nothing else. <laughs> you could say that about Gene. So, um, you know, what, what, how, how do you, uh, what does this service usually cost? I mean, is it a percentage thing, or you know, flat fee, or how does that work? Oh, so it's a. Um, the, there's two categories. Uh, of costs associated with this, the, the carne itself, which you get charged a processing fee uh, based on the value of the goods. So uh, it could be $280 up to about $475, depending upon what your values are. And then there's an mm-hmm. underlying surety bond, uh, and that's also based on the value of the goods. So if you had um, an item that was, say, $100,000 in value, you end up with a $40,000 bond, and you don't put that money up. You just pay a premium, a non-refundable premium, and your premium in this case is going to be $400 for $100,000 worth of goods, plus probably your uh, three, three fifty. dollars So you're talking about six, $700 for $100,000 worth of goods um, going overseas. That's even less painful than listening to that Don Henley song about was it the Smuggler's Blues or what? <laughs> and uh, also less painful than you know getting the smuggler rap. You know you see those the, the old folks yeah, in Europe all the time, and they're like, you know, I, it's just kind of funny. But the suitcase is just like it looks like it's exploded, and it's all and they're smuggling like cheese and sausage and whatnot. Right. So right. you know you don't want to. You don't want to be that guy with the drone or any other high tech equipment. So, you know, and I want to do, um, well, let me, let me have, um, you know, the website address where listeners could get more information about your useful service. So the web address 
is www.atacarnet.com. So it's A-T-A-C-A-R-N-E-T.com. All right, and that's a good thing. So now you know why you need that. But one other thing I wanted to touch on because we're, you know, this, the, the time always goes quick on this thing. It's amazing. Every every time I start one, I'm like, well, you're going to make the half hour, and we always hit it. But so right. you are also president of the Northern California chapter of Women in International Trade, and I'd I'd True. like to hear about some about that. What what do you guys do over there? Oh man, or gals, okay. So in this case, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the, the first thing I always have to say is that we're not just women. <laughs> the organization is actually women and men. We started out all women in the late 1980s, but um, realized uh, I don't know 10 years ago or so that that wasn't serving us anymore. So it's it's WIT NC, Women in International Trade, Northern California. But we've got not only men members, we've got men on our board, and it, it, it's a uh, gender nonspecific at this point, but the, the, the members of WITNC are primarily companies in the Bay Area that, uh, that like to be on the cutting edge of trade compliance. They want to know what the most uh, current uh, information is about being in compliance when you're doing international trade. So we put on programs once a month about um, export regulations, import regulations, and anything related to making it easy and, and helping companies get their goods uh, through customs and any other regulatory agencies, whether it's FDA or BIS or, you know, there's, there's about 45 different U.S. agencies that are involved with, with trade. So, um, so we're an educational nonprofit organization supporting companies in the Bay Area to understand and comply and develop best practices. Well, there's only what, what did you, did you say there was like 40 agencies that, that have policy you have to uh, comply with? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, so you, trade. so you guys don't really have anything to talk about at these meetings. You sit around. Oh, no, no. Right. <laughs> swap stories and show pictures of the, the you know, the, the family. This is my right, second right. great yeah. niece, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah no, it must be uh, we're always interesting. Trying to trying to find new topics. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm sure it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a you know topic of conversation is pretty fast and furious with that many people in the regulatory pie, you know. Um, but I did want to touch on that because I thought it was kind of interesting, and I always like when people are doing something, um, you know, ancillary to their business that you know helping mm-hmm. people understand all of this. Um, and why we bring experts like yourself on is, uh, you know, uh, again, you know, I'm over here, you know, kind of, um, well, I don't want to say that, but <laughs> I think something less colorful. I'm just over here. I didn't even know what was going on. You know, I just figure everything's on the up and up and I can do whatever I want. But that's why, you know, we bring you professionals like you on to, to come on and tell people, hey, these are things you have to uh, know about. And I think it's kind of interesting, too, that, you know, you're talking about this. Uh, there's a lot of people that are in this business that don't only make, um, you know, hardware uh, but also make, you know, uh, other ancillary systems, you know, um, 
Sure. Maybe it maybe it's uh, sensors or mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I don't know how the software thing works too. If you know, is that is, you know briefly? We only have a, a little bit of time left, but even software. I mean, how, how does that work? What do you, what do you do if you're going to bring that somewhere? Is there is there's a value to? Is it harder to to? Well, that's the know, kind of thing frame? that we wouldn't. We, yeah, that's the kind of thing you wouldn't put on an ATA carne necessarily. It, it probably wouldn't make it to that. But that is the kind of topic that we address at WITNC because the whole issue around encryption and trade and deemed exports um, is very complex and very technical. And companies, especially startups or small mm-hmm. companies that don't have expertise on staff, um, and maybe are using outside counsel, uh, you know, we offer those kind of programs because the, there is a lot to think about and to consider and to be in compliance with when you're talking about exporting technology and the software, and especially now in the cloud. That is a whole specialty that, um, that you have to be really careful with. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you know, that other, you know, the cloud's not this magical cloud floating around over our heads. And to transfer of data and and all the rest of that stuff could get really sticky. And I think, you know, even, you know, I mean, even going down that road, as we get in further down the road with unmanned systems, really, the, you know, uh, it's an old saw, but the, the, the value is the data and where it's at and how you're storing it. And, you know, anyway, that's a whole nother show. But, um, Leslie, thank you so much for coming on and, um, you know, with all that good information for our listeners, I really appreciate that. I know we will cross paths in the future, so thank you again. We will. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity and really appreciate all the information that you provide for businesses, you know, in the business of drones and the business of small unmanned aircraft. So thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you. And Gene, thanks to you, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll talk again here soon and everyone have a nice day. Okay. See you later, Patrick. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.